what up, it's your boy Cool Chef. This podcast is brought to you by my boy Joey T and Tyrese Maxi. But right now, you know, we just maxing on the courts, hailing from the streets of South Philly. Sometimes it gets a little hectic out there, but right now, we go up you on how we just chill. What is going on, everyone? Welcome back into another edition of Trust the Podcast. I am your host, Joe Tooman, as always, and the NBA trade deadline is now in the past. We're getting closer and closer to playoff time. And with such a big date in the NBA calendar now in the past, there's only two men who could hop on the pod and break down all the all the nonsense with me. That's Andrew Buckman. That's Joe Eckstein. You know the vibes by now. They've been on the pod before. Guys, how are we doing today? Uh, following a, you know, we'll talk about a pretty boring deadline. Yeah, my day at work was kind of ruined. Uh, <laughs> I wasn't doing anything to begin with, so I'm just sitting there, you know, waiting for something to happen. My screen time was like through the roof yesterday. I probably put Shams to, to shame with how much I was on my phone yesterday at work. So um, yeah, yeah, it was, uh, you know, uh, I, I, it, I've, I've let it sit. I, I've let it like ruminate a little bit. You know, I have, my thoughts are a little different now, but you know, otherwise, uh, thank you NBA for a very boring day and an overall waste of my time. <laughs> Yeah, that's that's about that's about accurate. How about you, Buckman? How are you doing? Um, yeah, I, I agree with Joe. I it was just wildly boring. There's, I mean, the Buddy Heel trade might have been the most exciting thing like that happened, and it mostly because it hasn't happened for like the past five trade deadlines, and that's like the reason why or something like like it just felt like right. it was bound to happen. But other than that, it's just like super boring nothing happened i mean the wizards made one trade but it was probably the trade they made they needed to make the least in my opinion so like of Wait, the they move? uh daniel gafford oh yeah i forgot he's 25 years yeah. old compared to you know tyus jones and delon wright and those type yeah. of guys who are older I was hoping the Sixers would go after Tyus, maybe throw some of them seconds uh, around, but that's all right. I, I mean, the Buddy Heald trade was really good. We can get into that. Yeah, the, uh, there's there were good players moved, like, sure, but there's nothing that really I think is going to change the destiny of this season. I mean, it sounds like you guys agree with that. I think Buddy Heald, I, I think if indeed, if we, if we knew he was playing and if it was like how it was a month ago, Buddy Heald's actually a huge addition to that what that Sixers lineup was already doing, but with Embiid's status thrown up in the air with Melton and Batum still sidelined, we have no clue what the Sixers are going to look like come playoff time. Joe, you know, obviously the the Sixers had an eventful deadline. Um, Buddy Heald was a great trade, but then seemed like the fans were a little disappointed with other uh, with other deals. I have my take about that, but I'm interested. What did you think about Daryl's wheeling and dealing? Yeah, so my annoyance isn't rooted uh like other Sixer fans I am more annoyed at I guess the trades that weren't made or the the hype around it all the rumors that are coming out about how expect the Sixers to be active throughout the deadline they're going to be big buyers they're talking about bringing in a guy like DeRozan Caruso they're fielding calls to bring in a guy that can maybe elevate the team's overall talent pool elevate their ceiling a little bit and you make the buddy heel trade right off the bat, gets the day going. There's so much time left. There's so many assets you can still move. It set the wrong precedent, I think, where you think that they're going to be going all in. 
and they couldn't commit. That's the problem I have. Um, a lot mm. of fans are upset that Patrick Beverly was traded. I don't really. Pat Bev's fun. He's a fun player, but he's not, you know, a deal breaker for me. Like, because apparently it's obvious that they think they're going to get Lowry. So yeah. Daryl said today that, you know, Pat Bev's minutes are going to be like he's going to lose out on minutes. And everyone's like, well, he just played 35 minutes and they just use context clues, people. It's clear Lowry's <laughs> going to be a sixer in like a week or two. So, you know, he's not, he's, there's no reason to have him on the roster as well, you know move on from him daniel house i'm gonna miss the corner step back threes obviously yeah. that's you oh, know man. hard to hard to deal with i don't know how we'll be able to move forward but <laughs> detroit's got a good one to fit in for you know another 22 game losing streak well they already uh, waved him oh really yeah <laughs> did every sixer besides springer get waved i was gonna say literally morris firk and uh and Dan House, all were released by the teams that they, they were acquired by. Wild. Well, yeah, then, then the other trade, obviously, that was kind of shocking was the Springer deal because, yeah, Springer's not great offensively. He's kind of shown that he has a lot to work on. But at the same time, you know, look at how he's been playing defensively. You know, he had a pretty good game against Steph. The Warriors game in general, you have to kind of find some positives from it, and Springer was one of them. Uh, it seemed like a really sell-low moment on a guy who – Kind of had some bright spots for once in his pro career. He had played with Doc. Doc does not play young guys as we're seeing in Milwaukee. Oh That's maybe God. the only trade I was a little questionable about. I just think it's the idea, though, that they can't commit to a direction. And I'm sure we'll talk about the cap space plan more. Yeah. Um, it just seems they're going all in on that. And I just don't know if I can agree with that. Interesting, interesting. Buckman, as a neutral, before I go on my, I'm sure, long tangent, what, what what's your outlook on the Sixers? Because, you know, we already talked about Buddy Heald, but you said you thought he was the biggest name at the deadline. But what, what's your, just with all the moves you saw, what, what did, what's your outlook? I think the biggest thing that stuck out to me was that Daryl Morey said that there wasn't, like, people were complaining about the fact that they didn't get, you know, a backup center, a backup big or whatever it was. And he was like, there wasn't a ton of activity going on at that position. And I kind of disagree with that. I mean, I, I think Gafford would have been a great fit for you guys. I don't think you would have had to give up. I mean, if you're willing to trade Jaden Springer, we would have taken Springer and, you know, a couple of second round picks and you wouldn't have had to give up a first round pick like the, I guess it's, I don't know who, who the third team, the OKC, OKC yeah. in that. Trade. Yeah. Dallas had to bend bend over backward to get to get that pick. Yeah. Like they had to go out of their way. Yeah, I, I think it, it was very possible for you guys to end up with Gafford, and I think you would have loved him because I think he's an awesome player. But I don't know. I, I, I don't really like the Pat. I'm a big Pat Bev guy, so I don't really understand the Pat Bev trade unless you're like, I mean, if Pat Bev was going to play less minutes with the Kyle Lowry signing, then – what was the point of trading for campaign? Do you just not care that he's not going to play at all? Like, I don't really understand that. I mean, I know they're obviously different players. Campaign brings more on the offensive end, and Pat Bev is, is a dog and is a defensive-minded player. But I still think it's a little weird that campaign was in that trade. Maybe he was just kind of lining up the contracts or whatever it was. But, yeah, I don't know. I, I think Daryl Morey is an idiot. And I'm not surprised that he kind of comes Whoa. out. Looking that way. Don't be calling Daryl an idiot on, on Trust the Pod. Okay, I'm still 
maybe maybe I'm a gullible loser, but I am I'm all in on Daryl. I think he's doing the right things. I think you both hit the nail on the head, though, pretty much if you just jumble those two points together in that, yeah, there's some frustrating, you know, it's frustrating to lose Springer. I will, like let, Joe, like you said, I, I can't defend the Springer move. You could get a second rounder from rebuilding teams. You could get a second rounder from even teams that are trying to pick up, you know, middling teams that are trying to pick up someone. You don't got to trade him to Boston for a 2027 second round pick that's held by New Orleans. Like, it's just, a, it doesn't make any sense. However, it's okay to be like, that's a dumb trade, and I don't really get it. But I think when push comes to shove, the Sixers got better after the deadline, while they also didn't really give up a lot. I mean, all they gave up for Heald was three second rounders, two of which are in 2029. Like, I will be four years removed from college by then. Like, that's insane to think about. Morris, who was never staying, he's unexpiring. And then Ferk, longtime Sixers, really sad to see him go. Uh, but at the same time, he doesn't want to, he hasn't wanted to be here for four years. So I think, think he's happy about uh, being moved. Uh, maybe not as happy about being released as soon as he did get traded, but I think he's at least happy to be out of Philadelphia. Uh, but you got to thank him for all the time he gave the Sixers. But just looking at the deals they made with Pat Bev, he's definitely, I mean, I definitely think he's better than campaign. But as Joe alluded to, with Lowry coming in, Daryl Moore is known Pat Bev a very long time. Pat Bev on his on, on the Pat Bev pod, he said Daryl Morey thanks him for just giving him a shot all those years ago in Houston. Seems like they have a good relationship. I would imagine maybe Daryl just came to Beverly and said like Nurse and I are looking at Lowry. Like your minutes might go down. Like would you want to stay? Would you want to go? Maybe he was like I would prefer to be playing meaningful minutes. And then Doc Rivers, who loves him as well, they come along with a second rounder. Now he's in Milwaukee. I don't love it. Yeah, you could have kept Pat Bev and just not played him nearly as much, even though he's played so well for the team. But I just think it's hard for me to get really upset when it feels like there's so much. Joe, you alluded to the the whole cap space in the summer. I mean, I guess I'm more favorable to that outlook, especially because of Embiid's current situation now, where I I like the fact they have all the assets. They have five first. They didn't get, get rid of really anything too valuable. I, it's not a perfect deadline. I think the minor moves were weird, but the major move to me is going to help now, and it's definitely going to help in the future. And that's why it just was hard for me to get really upset about it after you know maybe 10 minutes of being like, I can't believe they traded Pat Bev. That's valid. I mean, again, I think it's just – it was anticipation. Maury making one phone call and saying that they're busy and then calling it a day, like – you know, I'm, I'm busy at work, you know, and I, I do one thing in, in eight hours, you know, like, yeah, I can, I can pretend to be busy. He's the George Costanza of like, if you pretend to be busy and like look frustrated, you can just throw your hands up. Like, yeah, of course you're going to look busy. Like, of course you're going to make it seem like you're active, but the whole cap space thing to me and the whole thing leaked about, they're going to try for Paul George, like, like five other teams aren't going to try for Paul George, including the mm-hmm. team that is currently employing him. That's probably the best right. team in the league. They might try to bring him back. Hot take. He picked like the worst free agency class to say, I have cap space. And I get it. Because you have cap space, you don't need to match salaries. You can trade picks and all that. That also essentially, he's trying to read the tea leaves that aren't even close to being ready to, you know, be brewed type of thing. Mm. Like, I don't understand how you can expect now to plan everything on maybe Mikel Bridges asking out, maybe Donovan Mitchell asks out. Like you think that you're going to be the one to get this guy 
a player that hasn't even said anything yet. You just assume it's there because you think being patient is the way to go. And I understand that, but if Embiid's playing this well, you know, and he's injured, you don't have a lot of time with him. Just give him, give him the ancillary pieces that he needs to win. You don't need another star. Embiid already has a high usage rate. Max has a high usage rate. Bringing in a guy with another 25% usage rate, someone's going to get negated. And next thing you know, you're going to use all your money towards a wing player who, yeah, fills a void, but Paul Drew is going to be 34. What's going to happen if he gets hurt? Next thing you know, oh, well, you're going to have to find some minimum wing guy to come in and start, and next thing you know, you're lacking somewhere. So I'd rather him just spread the money out and build a team around them instead of just focusing 100% of his efforts on a star. It's not going to work. I think it's it's very fair because we've seen teams – I mean, the Knicks are famous for this, just assuming things are going to fall into the lab. Obviously, lately, the Knicks have actually been on the, the good side of that. We can talk about the Knicks in a bit, what they did at the deadline, but they've been on the, the side of actually acquiring players. But for a while, you know, that was the whole bill on them. To me, I, I hear what you're saying – but you kind of alluded to it, like if there's at the beginning here, if there's teams that aren't willing to do trades, like if the market wasn't active at the deadline, like you mentioned DeRozan and Caruso, Chicago shut their phones off. Like they were like, we're, we're going for the eighth seed. We don't want to make a deal. Like DeRozan or, and or Caruso would have been great supporting pieces for this team. And, uh, you know, if DeRozan didn't work out usage wise with Embiid, you know, he's a free agent. You can You can regroup. I just think... There just if there wasn't teams if there wasn't players like DeRozan or even I didn't really want DeJounte, but you know, maybe if he was maybe Atlanta really wanted to do that trade with us, maybe I would have considered just trying it. But if those players weren't really available for the first that we already had, I would rather just at least at least give yourself the opportunity to make a big move in the offseason instead of trading a first rounder for Daniel Gafford. Like Buckman, like you said, I mean Gafford's a good player and he's gonna help Dallas, but I don't know. The Sixers are already pretty limited with their assets. Would if Embiid's? It's just like Gafford. Gafford's going to be more valuable to Dallas. Get paid more with Dallas because he has a bigger role here. He would have just been a 14, 15 minute a game backup center. Like, is it worth trading a first rounder and then paying big money for that guy? For for a contending team, would you do you think the Sixers should be trying to add that big piece, or do you think like what Joe's saying, it's better to try and put that cap space across multiple areas? Yeah, I don't know if I would necessarily consider Daniel Gafford a big piece necessarily, right? right? So, yeah, I I would agree. I mean, Gafford would have been a nice trade. I think you guys could have made a few more deals, but I do understand that, you know, not having Embiid puts you in a really weird position. um, And you're already, what, the fourth or fifth seed? You're already middle of the road, Eastern Conference. Making a push is not necessarily realistic for you guys this year um regardless of how incredible Embiid has been playing and I don't love what Darren Moore did but I understand it is is Mm -hmm. what how I would sum it up yeah because to me it's like there's a Embiid I think Embiid plays again in some capacity this year but are we getting sixer like are we getting 35 a game dominant force Embiid that we got earlier this year or is he going to be nicked up is he going to be rusty is he going to only be back two weeks before the playoffs and not have that ramp up time and the Sixers let's be honest they're not playing the Brooklyn Nets this year in the playoffs they're not playing 
the, the, the goon squad in Toronto in the first round this year. No offense to Nick Nurse, who was coaching that team, but let's be honest, they're going to be playing either Giannis or maybe they're going to play the Miami Heat or maybe they're going to play even the New York Knicks if they somehow don't you know go all the way and get that two seed, which I think they will do. We can talk about them, but I, I just think that you 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 just hope that this team it was already they're already playing so well that you hope that if Embiid is fully healthy they can go right back to playing that well. But if it wasn't the case, at least now that at least now you at least upgraded the team with Buddy, but also didn't panic. That's 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 pretty much my outlook. But Joe, I hear your point of like assuming that everything's going to change this summer is dangerous because if they let Tobias walk. And they're like, we're going to go for a star. But then, oh, oops, the Knicks outbid us for Bridges or the, the whoever outbid us for Bridges. And then all of a sudden you're like, oh, Tobias is gone, but we didn't get Bridges. And now we're left with Maxi and Bede and KJ Martin as our core. Like, you never know. So I, I agree that you don't want to assume things, but I also think you don't want to assume things about this season either. That That's really my final outlook on the Sixers. That's understandable. I mean, I just think – every you know we waited a long time for Harden to come during the whole Ben saga and sure you know patience was a virtue in that case but I I just I don't I don't like wasting so much of Embiid's time you know I I texted you that the other day I'm like he's really he has the Ewing like curse on him he does he's gonna have he's gonna have all the success in the regular season and Ewing to be fair did make the finals multiple times so he does have a leg on him, and he had to play against guys like Hakeem. You know, so that's you know, tough for yeah. him. But the knee situation, you know, he's getting up there. You know, he's not what he was a few years ago when you had a little bit more time to figure things out and kind of curtail the team to figure out what worked best for him. You know it works best because we saw it this season. When the starting lineup plays, they're the best starting lineup in, in the game, and it's because Embiid is the hub. And as we're seeing now, and I'm watching the game currently, not, guys seem like they don't know what their role is now because their role's defined with him out there being that gravitational thing. Everything kind of circulates around him. So yeah. it makes guys like Tobias, he comes back down to earth a little bit. Batum hasn't played in a while, but Batum is very key on this team as a key entry passer. Uh, Melton, he's been out, but... You know, I'm sure when he comes back, it's going to be the same. He's not, not going to be able to get up threes at a higher volume because they don't have a guy pulling um, defenses his way to open up room for shooters. So I I think my, my concern is them staying afloat with Embiid out. That's why I oh. wanted a little bit more because, yes, we have Max. Yes, we have Tobias. We brought in Heald, and those are all guys that will help help the team out and help them compete. But – I think there was one extra thing that was needed, whether that be a, a more solidified uh, center rotation or maybe just another guy that can create a shot for himself. There was just something else that I was kind of yearning for just so that I wouldn't feel like watching this team as a burden type of thing. Like it's very hard <laughs> to watch this team now because they just, I don't know. It's just, they can't rebound right now. Their paint defense isn't the best. Their perimeter defense isn't the best because they just got rid of two of their best perimeter defenders. So yeah. that's, a, that's a problem. So my concern is 
yeah, you know, we might face Milwaukee or the Knicks, the Cavs, the Heat, who knows, or we might be in the plane and we might not make it because I don't want to leave it up a chance where, you know, win and you're in type of thing. I don't want that to be the case. We've been solidified playoff um, contenders since Embiid and Simmons came together. If we can't even compete for an actual spot, you know, that's my, my concern. You know, we need to stay in the top six, and I don't know if we're going to be able to. Yeah, because Indiana Indiana's playing well, too. They're right behind us at number six. I The only thing I'd say to wrap up on the Sixers, I think they just got – they Batum and Melton got to get back because right now, not only, like you said, like Embiid is the hub, but when you don't even have the other starters, when, you, when it's Kelly playing 28 minutes a game – uh, that's when it gets dangerous. So I agree. If the if the team is constructed right now is together for another month, they might be. They probably will be in the play in. So we just gotta hope these other guys get healthy quicker than Embiid aren't aren't on the same timeline because if the at least if they're back, we'll have most of the starters and at least you can maybe be a bit more competitive. So I, I am concerned though. It's definitely a real concern that this team might not be an automatic lock. Now, I think they'd win in the play, and especially if Embiid's back, but you don't want to be in there. You don't want to be a lower seed like that. Uh, you don't want to have no home court advantage all all playoffs long. So I, I completely agree. So I don't know. It's it's a scary time to be a Sixers fan. It's a scary time to be part of the Sixers. So we'll have to see how it all shakes out. We can definitely revisit uh, the offseason plans down the line. We'll have to see how the season wraps up. But I think we had a good discussion on that. Moving off the Sixers, looking at the rest of the league, because there's a lot of other teams. Buckman, starting with you, just what do you think – what deadline move most caught your eye? Just I'd put it that way. I mean, as a Wizards fan, it's it's got to be the Daniel Gafford thing. I love Daniel Gafford. I think he's he, – he found a home in D.C. and people loved him and appreciated him, which is not always the case in D.C. I mean, when you're a Wizards fan over the past, you know, six or seven years, it's been – been really tough to to enjoy players and not be frustrated with how things have played out so I'm glad he'll get a chance to actually win some games because he's never had anything close to that I mean I think we've made the play and actually remember I was gonna say you mentioned Gafford I mean I've always I've always liked Gafford he just plays with a lot of energy lob catcher uh high motor guy I remember when the Sixers played the Wizards in that first round series and um Oh man, who was your coach back then? It was uh, oh Scott Brooks, St- yes. starting Alex Len over Gafford. Gafford would come in and just cook the Sixers, but then Len yeah. Len's out there, and Robin Lopez are trying to guard Embiid, and he's just playing them off the court. Gafford was easily like by far, even back then, three years ago, you knew he was the the best guy they had down there. And yeah. I think going to Dallas, you know, they made some moves. They also got PJ Washington, which you know we can kind of talk about them. Gafford's like him and Lively. Now, now Luke is going to have the type of big he needs to, you know, screen and roll the rim with him on the court at all times. And Lively's only going to get better. I, he's been, I mean, he's met maybe even exceeded my expectations. So I think that was a good trade. And then no matter what you think about PJ Washington, he's an upgrade over Grant Williams. So Joe looking at on the Dallas end of things, they're not at the top of the West, which is the thing, but like Luca is a star. We've seen him, upset teams in the playoffs before Kyrie has mostly stayed he's stayed out of trouble he's been hurt a bit but he's been good and now they have two really good you know role-playing centers they got a wing in PJ who has some flaws but he's at least going to winning situation now which Charlotte wasn't so what's what do you think about them because the west is so deep how do you think they fit in I think it's so funny that they essentially got rid of Grant Williams because he was just a loser yeah <laughs> no yeah 
that's what all the reports said, basically. Yeah. Yeah. What, what's the, what's the, who's the, who's the Texas reporter from ESPN? Tim McMahon. Mm. Tim McMahon on the, is just like, yeah, like he just wasn't like, he just, he rubbed people the wrong way. That was the, that's what he said. And it's yeah. like, yeah, that makes, that makes total sense. He looks like such a goober. Um, <laughs> that video of Kyrie just like, oh, Kyrie, I've never seen a look of disgust like that. It like made me like physically cringe watching Kyrie just be disgusted. Like, I, yeah, I mean, hey, if, that, if that's the worst thing Kyrie did all season, man, that that's fine, dude. Honestly, well, it's, a win. it's a win. As long as I watched, as long- uh, I remember I watched the opener. It was Mavs Spurs because it's when Benyama's first game, so I watched it. Grant Williams was awesome in that game. He made like five three-pointers. I was like, oh, Grant Williams, he's a starter now. He's going to be good. It's been all downhill from there. Uh, so that contract, they got off it quick. Uh, what do you think yeah. about PJ? How do you think he's going to Um I mean, I just – if you look at his efficiency, he's not a very efficient scorer. Like, I think his rookie year, he looked like a promising stretch four, and he just has not figured it out at all. So, sure, he's probably an upgrade over Grant Williams and a much cheaper upgrade at that. But – just from the perspective of what you gave up for him, and it wasn't a ton, all things considered, especially if Grant Williams was that detested. Hey, you know, it's clearly an upgrade just from a vibes perspective. Like, you don't hear about PJ Washington except the time when, like, he got, like, oh man, with his, with, with what, Brittany Renner. Remember that? I know what you're alluding to. I don't remember all the details, but I, I know what you're yeah. alluding to. Yeah, yeah, um, wasn't, wasn't, yeah, but anyway, you don't hear a lot about PJ Washington, so that's you know that's a good thing um, for them, I guess. You know, you got Kyrie, you got to deal with that. You never know. That's like you know, a ticking time bomb waiting to happen. He's he's not bad. He's not bad. I don't think he makes your team that much better. I'm more impressed by like the Gafford pickup personally, um, but yeah, I'm not I'm not huge on it. Like I texted you guys, I'm like it seems like a lot to give up, but then once I found out that you know, Grant Williams is just the goober of the year. It doesn't really matter. Grant Williams anti culture rankings, maybe? Apparently. Don't don't tell Luke Vargas though. He's not gonna be happy about that. Yeah, Luke Vargas I'm I'm actually in Luke Vargas's office right now, because uh, he gave me the blessing to use it as a recording space. So I'm sorry, Luke. I'm I'm talking about the anti culture in, in your chair. I'm I'm sorry, but sometimes it has to happen that way. Um, Bad luck. Yeah, I'd say I'd say about PJ Washington because you like you said he's he's very been very inefficient. He's only shooting thirty one percent from three. I saw Kevin O'Connor had a, like a super favorable breakdown of him. It almost felt like he was just ignoring all his flaws. He's like he's a great help defender. Uh, he could block shots. He's a rim runner, lob threat, and all those things are true. But like you said, he kind of it just feels like he's like I would be surprised. If you put him on a good team, I mean, he's been on Charlotte, so it's probably not true. But if on, on a good team like Dallas, his net rating will probably be like a zero or like a plus 0. 0.3 or something. Like, I don't think he's going to elevate them in a big way, but he's also better than who they were starting. Uh, and he's still young. I, I don't know. Like, they gave him a first for him in 2027, Top only top two protected. So they could, they're probably going to lose that pick. So we'll see. I guess it, it just depends on how good Dallas can get. Buckman, do you think Dallas – they're, they're kind of probably going to be a play-in team. Do you think they're a team that can upset the teams at the top of the West? Or I mean, the West is – the top five in the West is really good. Like, do you think they have any shot? Because Luka the, – the main reason we're talking about Dallas is, like, they got Luka Doncic on their team. That guy is an MVP candidate, and they're still kind of a winning team. Do you think they have any shot at making noise this year or even in the coming years? Or do you think it's just kind of plug-in holes? 
they're in the same spot that they have been pretty much Luca's entire career, just like hovering around the middle of the West. And I think that's probably where they'll be. I mean, I liked, I didn't mind the moves that they made. I don't know about giving up a first round pick for PJ Washington, but I don't think it's the worst move ever. I just feel like they haven't done anything that is like, franchise changing necessarily other than draft or since they drafted Luca, right? Like yeah. I think that's, that's pretty much it. And it's not like those moves are easy to make or anything like that. And until they make one, I like a lot of the, the other teams at the top of the West. I mean, I, I'm still not totally convinced about Minnesota, but I'm not also, I'm also not going to say that like, I think the maps are going to upset Minnesota. Like, I think that's mm-hmm. ridiculous. I think if anything, the, you know, the, the, the wolves will fizzle out in the second round, but yeah, yeah. I don't know. Luke is a fun basketball player to watch and I, I hope he wins an MVP soon. Maybe that'll encourage some guys to come want to play with him in free agency. I think that's how they get it done. But yeah, Dallas is 29 and 23. So they're a winning team this year. They're actually more over 500 than I realized. Like Luca has an MVP case. I, I, I mean, my vote would probably go to SGA right now, but he's right there and he's been awesome all year. So but yeah, like you said, it's just there's so Minnesota even is really good. I just they they need to find a way out of the middle before he asks out in a couple of years, and that's that's the everyone was talking about Embiid last summer, but I mean the reality was with Daryl in town, he was never going anywhere. But Dallas is a different story. He's just you know that's a generational guy right there. You know, yeah. I think you're always going to have a puncher's chance with him. I feel like if as long as you give him whatever guys you need, just like some like ancillary pieces. Um, and they have some, they got some guys like, I don't, I think him and Kyrie are kind of redundant. I don't think you need a Kyrie type, obviously talent will always help. Um, you know, people can say whatever they want about Kyrie, not being the most like analytic friendly type guy. He takes a lot of, you know, mid range shots, mid range pull-ups, you know, not the highest volume from three compared to other guys, but, Look, the Mavs, I think, are always going to be competitive with him, but it, the urgency kind of has to flip on a little bit, especially considering how a lot of teams that have gone through this quick rebuild, teams that were in the playoffs for a second, then were tanking for a little bit, and then all of a sudden are immediately finding strides to becoming contenders, Timberwolves and Thunder being the best examples of that. You have to kind of bite the bullet a little bit and maybe figure it out a little bit quicker and bring in some of the pieces that will help, bring in some guys that – or better defensively, can stretch the floor for Luca a little bit more. Like if you want to go the heliocentric route and build around him, you got to do it kind of like the Rockets did. I know they didn't win when Harden was playing, but they had the recipe there. It just so happened that fate didn't, you know, wasn't kind to them in that series. So I love Luca, but I just don't think that you know Dallas is going to be able to do anything this season or the next couple seasons unless they really just commit to him fully and just give him the pieces that he needs. Yeah, I definitely agree. I think they need to make that move for – the wing is their biggest issue right now, and P.J. obviously is an upgrade, but they, they still need to upgrade from P.J., I think, to get to make that next step because right now, like you said, you mentioned, like Kyrie, as good as he is, they're both ball-dominant players, and then from there it's just a bunch of role players, and I wouldn't even say any high-end role players. Um, we'll see if these new acquisitions can maybe take steps forward because they're still younger players, but that's just the truth. And a guy, someone people always bring up is Brunson, who they lost, but and he was so good in the playoffs for them. But the reality is, we can switch to the Knicks here. 
Brunson, once his dad was hired there, he was always going to New York. I mean, it was kind of a it was it was forecasted a million miles away. It was really going to be hard for Dallas to convince him to stay, especially when Brunson knew he had this role waiting for him. And he's obviously answered the calling and is now an all star, all NBA caliber guy. So, I, yeah, I agree. I think what Dallas needs to do is get another big time player to help Luca, but it can't be it, Kyrie. Maybe not might not be the right fit. But I also don't think Kyrie's fit is the only problem. But then the Knicks, switching right back to them, they made a big trade at the deadline over in the Eastern Conference. They got Bojan Bogdanovic from Detroit as well as Alec Burks, who, you know, he could at least be a good bench spark plug for them as a scorer. But Bojan's a guy who has been one of the most efficient three-point shooters in the league for a while. He's a 20-point-per-game guy. We've seen him do it on winning teams. We've seen him do it on the worst team we've seen in a decade in Detroit. So uh, he's – He's a hell of a pickup for them. They already picked up OG. I know OG's hurt right now for a couple weeks, but I'll be right back. I think the Knicks right now, not only are they the best team equipped to win the East if Boston deals with injuries, but I also think they're the team that's most equipped to give Boston some trouble, even if Boston is healthy. What did you guys think of them adding Bojan? Because I think it gives them – lineup flexibility but it also makes them like you alluded to earlier just super deep yeah i mean my thought exactly about them giving boston a run for their money a tibbs run a team with guys like og and maybe mitchell robinson will be back josh hart Mm -hmm. these gritty guys that are just gonna go out there and give it their all every you know every possession got brunson randall divincenzo now you add two pretty efficient three-point guys. I know Boyan kind of can be targeted in the playoffs defensively, but when you're that elite of a shooter, you can make up for it because when you have arguably the best perimeter defender in Ananobi in right. the league, you can hide Boyan, I think. So I really like this Knicks team. I liked them before this deal, and I like them even more considering that they didn't give up a ton. Now they just added two guys that will elevate their ceiling even more. Yeah, and they needed they needed that bench scoring once IQ went out in the OG trade, uh, and now they have. I mean, Bojan might be a bench guy too. Buckman, what do you think about Bogdanovich with the Knicks? I, I'm curious what Tibbs envisions his role being. I think he's going to come off the bench because that starting five has been so, you know, so fruitful. But at the same time, this is a guy who's, I mean, he's really like one of the best fifty ish players in the league. He's a very good scorer. Yeah, I mean, I'm a big Boyan fan, former Wizards legend. Yeah, um, that's right. <laughs> uh, I, I think it's, I don't know how much stay Tibbs has in terms of like player moves and the roster and stuff like that, but I think it's good to give him a lot of guys that can play and a lot of guys that can compete so that he can't overwork them as much as he possibly wants to like it it gives him so many options that he almost has to use all of them and and take advantage of all of them but I do think I mean Boyan is I'm if I'm not mistaken he's come off of the bench for a good chunk of his career I don't think it's not it's it's something he's not used to or anything like that um with Washington with Washington it was you know it's a while ago but he was on a contending team and did it yeah yeah yeah, and I think he can definitely do it. He's one of those guys that just has the the scoring ability and the shooting ability to to just be effective and in really any role. And I um, 
I'm excited. I, I really, really like watching him and I didn't like watching the Pistons. So it was tough to watch him. Um, but yeah, I think he'll be great. And I, th- I think New York is a, is a lot of fun. Um, I don't know how Alec Burks fits in. Yeah. He bounces around all the time, but I, I think with him, it's, if you can shoot the basketball, you're always going to have a place in the NBA. I think that's just the bottom line. I think they're going to be a lot of fun to watch. Um, and they already were a lot of fun to watch. So, um, I mean, when when the Knicks are good at basketball, the NBA is is, is fun to watch. I completely agree. I was I was at that game uh, when the Knicks beat the Sixers by like forty points, and that was when the Sixers were playing well and had everyone on the court. Uh, Brunson has just turned into he's just a leader. He he gets it done in the clutch moments, uh, and I'm not even worried about Randall with this team. I, even if he has a cold night, I think they have. With OG and Bojan on the wing now, I think they have the scoring to overcome his deficiencies. But I also think he's played well this year, and it just feels like they're a well-oiled machine. They, they're well-balanced. They can bring guys off the bench. I, I think – and the thing about – I mentioned Boston. I mean, you got OG to throw at Tatum. Uh, I think that – listen, Porzingis is really good, and he's going to give them trouble offensively. But I think the Knicks can be physical. Like, they, they were able to be physical against Cleveland last year. Hardenstein and Robinson and even Randall, I think, can give you know Tatum and, and uh, Porzingis down low a run for their money for sure. Uh, it's going to come down to you now Boston's you know backcourt defense, perimeter defense is scary, but I think it's going to be an interesting matchup if these two teams cross. I'm excited for it. I mean, that's I'm pulling for the Knicks in that case. Like I, oh, I'm very fond, I'm very fond of the Knicks. I mean, I that was like my one of my favorite teams growing up. I was a huge fan of like the mellow. Jeremy Lin, Amari Stoudemire, that like little stint. That was a really fun time to watch that uh, roster. So to see where they've been through, you know, it wasn't to have all the hopes and dreams crushed every offseason and draft to now finally have something solidified, it seems like. It's really fun to watch. It's really exciting. And I think they have a better shot than any other team to, you know, push Boston to at least seven games. And look, one thing about Boston that I, I, I really think they're going to have a Houston moment and they're going to, they rely on the three so much. And it's just one game. It just takes one game and it's over and they get cold at the wrong time. This Knicks team is going to hound them in the playoffs, especially when the whistles are going to get swallowed at certain points. You got guys like OG Randall Hartenstein, you know, guys that are going to step up and make it, you know, make life miserable for a perimeter oriented team. The Knicks are the Knicks. You know, I have to see it first until I can really believe it. But yeah. they have the the blueprint for something special, I think, right now. I, I agree. I agree. And the East is weird. Like, Cleveland's playing great, but I'm interested to see how they look with all four guys back because I think a big part of that win streak was the fact that Mobley and Garland were out and they had more spacing. Uh, but I would take, Cle- I would take uh, the Knicks over Cleveland. And Miami, you know, they've had, they've been having a little up and down lately. I think I'd take the Knicks over Miami right, right now as well. So the East is, I mean, both conferences are a bloodbath. The West may be more so. I mean, Boston seems like the favorite in the East, but I, I don't know. I think it could be a, an interesting playoffs. Looking at the West, though, as I mentioned, like that's that's a conference that's really competitive. Just there's some other trades. I mean, OKC picked up Gordon Hayward for their bench. He's a wing who can score and play make. Uh, Minnesota added a backup point guard with Morris. Just what, what's what's your outlook on the West right now? Phoenix picked up Royce O'Neal. There's just a lot of good teams. And I'm I, I'm having a hard time picking, like, who do I think is the best in that conference? My gut still says Denver. 
but is that just a safe pick? I mean, Joe, you mentioned you think the Clippers are the best team in the league. Buckman, I mean, you, you talked about Minnesota earlier. Just what do you think after the deadline? How do you feel about the West? I think the Suns are awesome. I think they're starting to figure it out. I don't know how long that's going to last because they have a few guys that are injury prone. With guys like, with a guy like, I'll say, I won't speak about Kevin Durant, but with a guy like Bradley Beal, it's like, Hey, you, you can say know. Durant it's hurt too because he does. Yeah, yeah, but it, with him, it's like I don't know. I feel like he'll play through it. I don't know about Brad, <laughs> but uh, I, I like the Suns a lot. I think they have so much talent, and if they can just get those guys like in a serious rhythm, they can make a serious push in the West. And I I agree with what you're saying. It's a very competitive race right now, and I think it'll be like that for the rest of the season. And I think it'll be a a lot more fun, honestly, to watch than the East will be. Um, Because I think there's, you know, maybe two clear contenders in the East and kind of a big chunk in the middle, sort of, and then the plant teams or whatever. But with the, the West, I feel like there's, I don't know, several good squads that could win the West. And like I said earlier, I'm not convinced of the number one team. So the fact that the number one team is in the mix and could very well, you know, prove to be a great number one team is also very intriguing to me. So, um, and then obviously you can't count out Denver and, you know, them having the same team that they've had for, you know, several years now. It's, It's a very fun race in the West. Yeah, I think all five of them te- those teams could conceivably make a finals trip, and maybe some people disagree because OKC's young or Minnesota, they don't like Towns and Gobert, whatever. I think all five of those teams are playing great basketball. They're all well-coached. I think I think it could go. I'm, I'm prepared for anything, uh, and like I said, I'll probably pick Denver, but yeah, I agree. Phoenix, they've been with, like, since January, they've been one of the best teams in the league. Nurkic is surprised he's been better than we th- what we thought. Uh, so yeah, Booker and Durant. I mean, we saw in the playoffs last year, if those guys are on, they're hot, they're going to score a ton of points. And when you have Grayson Allen playing well and when you have Bradley Beal at least healthy, you're going to score. Uh, defense is going to be their problem, though. I, I'm curious. They go up against the Clippers. How are they going to stop that crew? Joe, just to maybe wrap up, we can get to the end here. The West, you mentioned you think the Clippers are the best team in the league. It pains me to see Harden. We'll see if it lasts in the playoffs. But right now he's buying in. And then Kawhi and Paul George have been healthy. And – they got a deep team. What, they didn't make any moves at the deadline, but they didn't really have to. What are you seeing from them? Do you think that any of these other Western teams, these deadline moves, do they? Does that help them compete with the Clippers, or do you still think the Clippers? You know, they're they're the best. Uh, I mean, I don't know if you guys saw the tweet. Pretty much that Gordon Hayward fits Oklahoma City really well. Let's just see how well he fits the Thunder type of thing. <laughs> right, right, right. Um, <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I mean, it's just I like the Thunder. I think that overall I like what they have going. I Some people were like, oh, the Thunder should have like traded for like Jaron Jackson Jr. or Alperin Shengun. And I'm like, just because you have a lot of picks doesn't mean a team's going to trade somebody. Like they're not going to trade probably the best player on their teams right now. Like Shengun, I yeah. think, is the best player on the Rockets. Jaws yeah. out. Jaron Jackson Jr. is keeping them afloat. So idiots there. Okay, Another one was Markinen. Like, oh, let's get Markinen. It's like Utah's not trading him. Like, come on. Do you, do you know Aiden Laporta, the Sixers account? Yes, I do. Yeah, he literally like, almost every day tried to like manifest Markinen. Like, it was like the easiest <laughs> thing ever. Like, it's Ari not Bird. Too scary. 
it's like you can't just trade like Marcus Morris in two first and expect Laurie Marketed, <laughs> who is probably like a top like twenty player. Like right. Aiden Laporta has yet to renounce his Harden um, loyalty either. So that's that's oh, brutal. Nice. But anyway, um, speaking of Harden, uh, mm-hmm. and the Clippers in general, like, Kawhi, you know, Mar- he's he should be like top five MVP candidate, man. He's Absolutely. playing really good basketball. He's efficient. Uh, the defense is still there. Like I, you know, I was I really bought into that team when they brought in Kawhi and Paul George, and I think that if it hadn't been for the bubble, I think they do win it all. I think they had everything figured out, and this might be the year this year. And a lot of it, sadly, has to do with Harden. I think it is a, it's kind of a win-win trade for both teams. I mean, the Sixers are struggling right now, but bringing in those group of guys did help them out through some games, and Harden clearly is the answer that the uh, Clippers needed. So right now I think that because of just Kawhi's overall background as a playoff player, elevating himself as we saw in the Sixers series against the Raptors, even with you know the limitations of maybe Paul George and James Harden, you have one guy guaranteed who can step up when it matters. Right. Right, I, I, it just comes down to me health. Like honestly, put put my heart and hate aside. I, like it's just a fact that he's missed games, and Kawhi and Paul George we know have missed a lot of games. I hope they are healthy. I really do. Kawhi's an awesome player. I'm a big Paul George fan. Harden, whatever, but like, you know he's on the team. They're playing well. Harden's facilitating. Uh, I saw him play Miami last week. That was a really good win for the Clippers. Just games like that. They've been doing that for two months now. Tyloo. He's my coach of the year right now. I think he's gotten – I don't care that he has a lot of talent. It takes coaching talent to get all those guys to buy in and play off each other. So they're really good. Uh, I wouldn't pick them to win the finals just because of history, both Harden's playoff history as well as injury history, but they're they're playing really well. Buckman, have you – are you as high on the Clippers as us? Do you think they're right there, or do you, do you more gravitate towards the Suns and the Nuggets? Uh. Yeah, I would more gravitate toward those other teams, but I like I said earlier, I think they're one of those, you know, five or whatever, you five-ish teams that could absolutely make a run um, to the NBA Finals. They might be the most talented trio in the West, and I would argue that they are. So I think um, that alone, if they can stay healthy, is like something you can't overlook. And I mean, with a lot of the the other trios in the NBA, you, you don't get a lot of great defense, right? But when you talk about Paul George and Kawhi Leonard, just inherently you, you think of great defense. If you're a great defender, you, you're always going to have the ability to defend at a high level in important moments. So I think that that is a, a big factor in too. So I, I think they have they have the ability. Yeah, I, I think it's – I agree. They're, they're just super talented. They're versatile. They have their deep – it's just going to come down to, is, is it going to last? But you could say that for a lot of these teams in the West. So we talked about Phoenix. So, yeah, we can get more into the, the playoff race, the finals race as these over the next couple months. Uh, but that's really all the big trades that happened at the deadline. I think that's a good overview of the league. But before we go, there is one team who is nowhere close oh. to an NBA championship run. Uh, listen, we're not trying to be bullies on this podcast. You know, we're – this is a hot. This is a culture building podcast. But when you do when you do stupid things, we're gonna call you out. Joe, our old friends, the Toronto Raptors, they're seventeen and where are they? Let me look at their record. I gotta pull it up. 
They're seven, 18 and 33. They're 12th in the Eastern Conference, barely ahead of the Charlotte Hornets. Um, they trade a 2024 first round pick. So this coming summer, uh, the worst pick of it's going to be either the Clippers or the Thunder pick, but they trade that uh, Otto Porter and Kyra Lewis for Kelly Olynyk on an expiring contract. The Celtics wanted Kelly Olynyk, the Sixers did, uh, but instead the the uh, the rebuilding Raptors get a 30 year old center. Uh, give up a first round pick. They also trade. This was some. This was some big money moves from Masai Ujiri here. He trades uh, Dennis Schroeder, who's played, played pretty well for them this year, and Thaddeus Young for Spencer Dinwiddie, and then releases Spencer Dinwiddie. So he traded Den- – and the reason was because they wanted to save – they didn't want to pay Dinwiddie's $1.5 million bonus for games played. That's what I read. So they traded one of their six best players and a veteran for Dinwiddie and then immediately waived him. Uh, Joe, what is your thoughts on the Toronto Raptors trade deadline and their overall season? Uh, if Masai Ujiri uh, didn't trade for Kawhi Leonard, he would not have a job in the NBA. That is all. Um, <laughs> I think that's what? He traded for Jakob Pertl, a first-round pick for Jakob Pertl last year. You have Jakob Pertl on the team still, correct? Yes. Correct. And then you decide. And then you decide. You know what? I don't have enough centers on my team. Let me give up another first round pick for Kelly Olynyk. I'm gonna have to pay because here's the thing about Kelly Olynyk. He's a pretty valuable player. He's a stretch five. Can play the four. People are gonna want Kelly Olynyk. So guess what? You're probably gonna lose Kelly Olynyk. Congrats. Sure, you got Ochai Obaji, and that could you could convince yourself that that's your a first round talent right there. That doesn't make any sense at all. Congrats on waving Spencer Dinwiddie. What, so you can avoid the the luxury tax? Are we the Sixers? Like, <laughs> like, 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 really? What, what, what does that team even do right? Like, genuinely? Like, yeah, okay, they got some stuff for OG and they got some stuff for Pascal, but you kept Bruce Brown. Congrats! You're probably gonna have to accept his team option so you can do something with him. There's 22 million I- off the books there. Congrats. Yeah, they could have got a first for Bruce Brown. They didn't flip him. They, Gary Trent Jr. is on an expiring contract. They didn't trade him. What happened to Masai? I thought he was the the wheeling and dealing master. That's what we were told all those years ago. They didn't even did they even get like a real pick for either of Ananobi or Siakam? I know they're free agents, but I mean they did get quickly and Barrett. But <laughs> Toronto, I I just think that they don't. Scotty's been great. I I said he should have been an All Star on the last episode of the podcast. I, I'll give him credit, but. That team still makes no sense. But now instead of a bunch of like random wing players, now I feel like it's the opposite. They have a bunch of guys who need to shoot and they need guys who need the ball in their hands with Scotty, with RJ, with uh, – I just said the other one quickly. And then they're just trading, trading for veterans for no reason. I, they, they appall me. I don't know what they're doing. And they let Nick Nurse go. They fired Nick Nurse, one of the best coaches in the league. Thank God. Masai Ujiri is to the Raptors what Aaron Boone is to the New York Yankees. Aaron Boone would not be the manager of the Yankees if he didn't hit one home run. Yeah, when he played, right? Was he on the Yankees? I'm not. I'm not. Yeah, yeah. And and uh, my dad's gonna kill me. In 03, he had a home run to send them to the World Series. I'm pretty sure. Interesting. <laughs> Interesting. Buckman, how does it feel that the Wizards are a better run franchise than the Toronto Raptors? It's so crazy to me because. <laughs> I mean, for years, is just so terrible. I mean, you thought that the Wizards were, you know, operating a little bit better and, 
when we hired the new the new guys in the front office. But then when we fired Wes Hensel Jr., you knew it was like, okay, we're actually making improvements. We actually want to get better as a franchise. I almost wish we had let him play out the season because we're probably going to win a little, a few more games than we would have <laughs> with head coach, which hurts the tank a little. But yeah. also at the same time, this draft class kind of stinks. So um, I, I'm not too cut up about it, but yeah, it's, it's great. I'm excited for the future. I would have liked to have traded, you know, a couple of guys, but whatever. I'm not that worried about it. I I'm, I'm happy with where we are and I love Bilal Kulubali. That's, that's my biggest takeaway from all of this is we got that pick right. And it feels like the best pick we've made since Rui, maybe even before that. I don't know. Bradley that's Beal, not saying maybe. a lot. That's not saying a lot. I would have said Bradley Beal yeah. to make it sound yeah. better. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but Rui was still like five or six years ago, right? Like, yeah. and we've yeah. been at the bottom of the NBA. We've been in the lottery, mm-hmm. so it's like, I, yeah. I mean, you could say Rui, maybe, and then Brad. Yeah, Bradley Beal, I guess, would be before that. I mean, yeah. maybe Otto, depending on how you view Otto. But, um, yeah. Masai Ujiri didn't view Otto very highly. Yeah, so dumb. I love Otto Porter Jr. Well, Toronto's going nowhere. The Sixers, TBD. The Wizards, uh, at least at least they're doing something right. Um, we didn't have Porterfield tonight, so we didn't get to talk about the Hawks and how they're doing absolutely nothing. Although, they're beating the Sixers down right now, aren't they? Joe, do we have a score up? Uh, they're making a fake comeback, the Sixers, so uh, <laughs> yeah, don't expect anything. Them classic Sixers uh, <laughs> whenever they have guys out where, you know, they start losing then they start cutting it back and then Trey Young hits a three and then they're down. Oh, they're only down by nine right now. So I knew, I just knew when I saw campaign was starting before I came over here to record this, I knew he was going to be, make me eat my words. Cause I hate campaign. I forgot to talk about that. I think he stinks, but of course he's got 20 and five in his debut. So, Oh, I guess I don't know ball. Whatever. I'm gonna state for the record that the Wizards are giving Boston a, a run for their money right now. Oh, okay. Jordan Poole yes. has 19 points on decent shooting, so that's so uh, he won't get booed tonight. Than that's good. A lot better than well, that. I think they're in Boston tonight, so I think he won't get booed regardless. <laughs> All right. Well, that's gonna do it for our trade deadline recap. Hopefully, we'll be uh, right back on here breaking down some more NBA as the season rolls along. Uh, Joe Buckman, thank you guys so much for joining me. It was a pleasure as always. Thank you, sir. Appreciate it. You got it. Thank you guys for listening. Make sure to follow on Spotify and Apple if you aren't already. And other than that, oh, go go follow the Trust the Podcast TikTok. Please, please do, do me a favor and do that. But other than that, have a great rest of your day. Enjoy the stretch run of the season. Let's pray for an Embiid comeback.